Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Cassandra Smith. Cassandra is a dermal clinician who was born and bred in Canberra and has spent over 14 years in the skin and beauty industry. She is forever chasing new ideas for the best treatment outcomes, providing education for the therapist and consumers alike, and believes that every day is an opportunity to learn and inspire others. Between continuous learning and writing on industry topics, keynote speaking, treating and treatment planning, you'll find Cassandra running two busy clinics in Canberra, namely Laser Clinics Australia Canberra Centre and Woden. Welcome, Cass. Thanks for driving all the way down from, from our nation's lovely capital to come and be with us. We appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we heard that you had quite the event. You you allowed for three, three and a half hours, <laughs> but it took a little bit longer than that. You... Yes, I, I think I made for Canberra traffic, not Sydney traffic. Mm. So I went, you know, 300 or so kilometres. It'll take me three and a bit hours, not four and a bit <laughs> hours. You build in at least an hour. Yes. Noted for next time. So, um, obviously, you and I know each other really well. We've worked very closely together for the last, is it six? Six years, been, yeah. We've been work husband and wife for the last <laughs> six years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Legal or? Yeah, it's de facto. He's <laughs> um, stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you've met Jake a couple of times, but you don't know him very well. Yeah. You don't um, want to. <laughs> <coughs> That's that. That's the word going around town. How, how did you guys meet exactly? Just explain. Uh, uh, Tinder. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, you you tell the story. Uh, David and I met because I was hired as a manager for a clinic that he owned down in Canberra. Okay. Uh, at that point, it was around 2012. I think I'd been in the industry for a short amount of time, mainly working as a skin and laser therapist in the area of uh, dermal therapy right. and took the next challenge and started managing a clinic of my own um, as my own, even though it was technically David's clinic. Yes. Uh, so were you co-partners or did you take over at that time? Uh, I, I, I guess utilised David for guidance, but was the main, the main operator at that time. Brilliant. So basically Cass stepped in at a time when the clinic was run quite badly. It was, in a, it was in a pretty bad state. I was located in Sydney. The clinic was in Canberra. There was another partner involved at that point that left the business. So it was left without someone there overseeing the day-to-day operations. So Cass stepped in and basically resu- re- resu- resurrected, <laughs> resurrected the business. Um, and then an opportunity came up for us to... Um, get another clinic and we decided to do that together. So now we sort of work quite closely. We talk every day um, and we run different parts of the business. But yeah, that's that's pretty much how 
that was six years ago. And Yeah, sometimes uh, it feels like a long time, other than it's, it feels like two or three minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I basically run the day-to-day operations of both clinics, doing all the um, consultation in terms of high-level skin treatments, ensuring that our customer service expectations are met and exceeded, yeah. but also providing training to uh, the, the therapist team as well as our injector team. Great. So let's go back several steps. So how yeah. did you, what did you train in initially? And what did you want to do when you were younger? Yeah, okay. Uh, my first job, funnily enough, was as a popcorn maker really? in a cinema. Is that yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's not just pushing a button. You've actually got to. No, there's lots involved. The amount of butter, the right. amount of salt. It's, you know, it's a, like it's a fine sweet, art. I like salty popcorn. I'll change your life, trust me. Really? But, uh, okay. <laughs> so moving to skin. Uh, so I started uh, working at a cinema and my first paycheck I ever received, I actually used it to buy skincare. So if that's not a sign of the future, then you know, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, for those reasons, I guess it was almost selfish as to why I got into skin. I was paying multiple professionals to help me manage my skin. I had quite a few breakouts and instant skin concerns around acne. Yeah. Uh, and then decided to learn it for myself. And so that old, um, how old were you then? At that time, I was about sixteen, but I didn't study beauty therapy until I was about nineteen. Okay. Um, and then from beauty therapy, I finished my diploma with the Canberra Institute of Technology, which is essentially like TAFE, uh, and found then that I was really, really passionate about skin biology, dermal science, um, and how to get the best out of the the ingredients you're using mm. um, and the treatments you can provide. So that led me to you know all the way down through different qualifications and all about skin. So just to um, pin down some terms you use, what is a beauty therapist and what is a (laughs) dermal therapist and why should someone see one or the other? Yeah, yeah. It's a really common question I get asked because there are lots of different um, identification, I suppose, labels we can give therapists. Uh, Essentially, the easiest way to remember it is that a beauty therapist will work with wellness and will also help you assist Uh, in your skin. However, a dermal therapist has specifically chosen to pursue education around skin. Okay. So a beauty therapist, if for want of a better word, is more Mm -hmm. general? Yeah. So beauty therapists can do everything from your waxing and tinting, spray tans, body services, spa therapy as well, Mm -hmm. um, and will touch on skincare and uh, in-clinic treatments. Whereas someone that has studied specifically in skin or dermal therapy, uh, will specifically be targeting skin concerns and supporting your skin health. Okay, great. So how long does it take uh, to get a diploma in dermal therapy? Uh, good question. It depends where you study. Uh, so essentially most people, the classic, I guess, uh, education path is to start in beauty therapy, which is usually around 12 to 18 months to get that diploma. Yeah. And then you'll choose to pursue some dermal science qualifications um, at, a, at a particular registered trading organisation, which can be anywhere between one to three years, especially if you choose to do a degree or a graduate certificate. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of training opportunities available to beauty therapists and even people starting out who haven't actually pursued beauty therapy and are primarily focused on skin. So I'd recommend taking a look at the training uh, schools available, making sure they're a registered training organisation and then seeking out the right people to work with and learn from. Mm. Um, So what are the main, I guess, uh, scope of treatments that a dermal therapist Mm-hmm. provide well let's start with beauty therapy and go up fine okay fine <laughs> okay okay uh, so a classically trained beauty therapist can do everything for you in terms of um massage spa treatments um basic facial treatments they also do the more cosmetic things like waxing and tinting 
uh, spray tans, body masking, all those sort of things. And would you learn all of those things if you were learning to be a basic beauty therapist? Yeah, if you go to a great school, definitely look at the right. um, the available, I suppose, learning outcomes for you, depending on what school that you're attending. Um, I'd recommend definitely, whilst it may sound biased because it's the way that I did it, I really love working with people and employing others that have had a similar journey as mine because I think it gives you a really well-rounded education. Mm. If you start as a beauty therapist, whilst I've actually never done a paid manicure or pedicure, I'm really happy to have learned the skills and the trade that allows me to work anywhere that I choose to, Yeah, but have a base of customer care as well. Yeah, I think that really puts you an advantage when you choose to work in skin. Okay. So can, can I ask my question now? Go on then. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So what does a dermal therapist, a, a dermal therapist do versus what we just spoke about? Yeah. Well, a dermal therapist will um, sometimes work individually as a sole trader. We can also work in a group of healthcare practitioners to support your skin health. So uh, essentially we can provide dermal resurfacing, oh sorry, epidermal resurfacing, dermal treatments like skin needling, mesotherapy. We can do paramedical based peels. Hmm. We can work with how your skin and your cells behave rather than just how it cosmetically looks. But we can also support your cosmetic outcomes and aesthetic goals with a team of people such as cosmetic doctors, cosmetic nurses. We can work with your fellow GP and your dermatologist to get you to a particular outcome that you're you're passionate and happy to achieve, I guess. Yeah. Um, can you specialize in anything particular within dermal therapy or would you just routinely do all of those things on a on a given day? What? I think you learn everything, but you find things that you love. Um, and I think that passion then only ever benefits the results because I think if you choose to do most services and know everything, you've got enough of a consultation base to ensure that you're referring to the right people yeah. and knowing that you are quite confident and happy and, and proud of a particular skill set in your diploma or your dermal therapy qualification means that you can specialise in that particular area. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've often wondered is uh, at what point does a dermal therapist need to refer on to say a dermatologist mm -hmm. or like w when are you out of your scope of comfort or practice? I think that it's, uh, if I'm honest, it's always best to work in a team. Yeah. I think that if you concentrate solely on say the epidermis and you're forgetting about uh, your diet, your gut health, um, your ability to work with potential medications if necessary. Mm. And it's not necessarily about being the dermal therapist as the core provider of care. It's making sure that your patient or your client gets the best outcome. And sometimes that is working within a group. Yeah. Um, for your basic skin health and run-of-the-mill skin rejuvenation, then absolutely your dermal therapist can do pretty much anything that you that you need. But when it comes to managing more persistent skincare concerns, um, sometimes it's best to to refer on and work as a team. Yeah. So in terms of, I guess, you know, um, we've spoken at the beginning of the podcast that you work for Laser Clinics Australia mm -hmm. and one of the, the primary procedures that they do or we do um, is laser hair removal. Mm -hmm. I guess you and I take it for granted because we're in it every day. We understand mm -hmm. the process, but I think it's probably one of the most common cosmetic procedures that people get done these days, whether you be a man or a woman, young, older, yeah. it's something everyone wants to get rid of, or well, most people want to get rid of unwanted body hair. So can you just take mm -hmm. us through how it works? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm interested in this as well, because, you know, I'm exposed to it in terms of what I see all the time in our mm -hmm. clinics, but it's not something that doctors certainly are not trained in, uh, particularly the different types of lasers. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe I'm wrong now, things maybe have changed in the UK, but it seems to be a very widely available thing here in Australia. But back in the UK, it's really expensive because we don't have the scale of um, clinics that, that own multiple machines to, to offer these types of services. It's still really expensive. 
So we need to go to the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go to the UK. Yeah, <laughs> UK. So sorry to button, but yeah, please tell us Don't about know. laser hair uh, So you're right, laser hair removal is one of the most popular treatments in Australia, and it's experienced a massive growth the, the last few years. When I first started in industry, I think it was around 2008, laser hair removal was, you know, one in every 1,000 seed clients that you'd see. Uh, now it's almost every. So for those of you that have had laser hair removal before, you'll remember feeling a bit of heat. Um, and for those of you that haven't yet, heat is the main, I suppose, source behind the result. So the term selective photothermolysis, which is an exciting word, but essentially that's what it is. Mm. So you're selecting a photon or a light source um, based on the laser that you're using. You'll find a particular or a selective target. In this case, for laser hair removal is the hair follicle itself or the blood supply to the hair follicle. The laser will use that heat to detach its ability to feed and survive. Mm. Um, we know that laser hair removal will at any given time, target 5 to 25% of the hair growth that's currently there. The reason we're confident in speaking about that as a, as a fact is because the antigen hair is the hair that we target, and antigen hair at any given time in your body weighs around 5 to 25%. That also explains why laser hair removal is a process mm. and you need a series of treatments. Uh, and, yeah, it represents probably about 60% of the, uh, the clients that we do. For, for those people who have no idea what we're talking about in terms of laser, it's a handpiece mm-hmm. yeah, that yep. uses a guided focus of light, yeah, which so, creates the heat. Um, in comparison to waxing, so waxing, you'll physically put wax on someone's skin uh, and rip it off and rip out the hair. When we talk about laser, we're applying a, um, it's a distance gauge, which is a tiny little uh, like uh, guide, I guess, that'll go onto the skin mm-hmm. and you'll get a quick, short pulse of heat. Um, and that will effectively target those hair follicles in that antigen stage. Okay. A treatment itself, um, especially in our clinics, if you're looking to do one of our most popular services, so like laser uh, hair removal for Brazilian underarm, mm-hmm. a good therapist can get that done in about three to five minutes. Okay. Six minutes if we Super have chat. Super quick. Walk in, walk out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in terms of, I guess, pain, I mean, like I know waxings, I've had waxing done, very painful. Uh, <laughs> can be done what, what body part? We'll have that conversation uh, at a later point. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you yeah. have to have your legs over your head? <laughs> <laughs> I had to go and see my chiropractor after the treatment. Um, so what's the what, how painful is it? I mean, is it tolerable? Mm-hmm. Do different people experience different levels of pain? Like, yeah. Or how does it compare both, to the other more to traditional? Yeah. Uh, my first leg wax was in beauty school. I don't think anything will ever be more painful than that. (laughs) Uh, But to to be honest, your laser hair removal is so fast that you're really only experiencing that mild discomfort for a couple of minutes. We can do a full body in probably 45 to an hour. Um, So the the pain, for lack of a better word, is is more about like a short, sharp burst of heat. The more hair you have in that antigen hair growth stage, the more consistent heat you'll feel. But remembering each time you have an appointment, you're losing more and more hair. So there's less and less accumulative heat. So you should experience less discomfort each time. So let's say you've got a gentleman who's got a hairy chest. Let's mm-hmm. just break it down. How, how do you prepare for that treatment? Yeah. And how many sessions is he likely to have? Sure. So uh, depending what laser you're using, because different providers will choose to give you different pre-care. So it's important to attend your consultation and, and follow those instructions. Mm. Uh, for Laser Clinics Australia, we prefer you to come in cleanly shaven. That way the laser can work best on clean skin. That way uh, you're not necessarily diluting the amount of power that the laser or that photonic energy has when targeting the hair follicle. Mm. So you'll come in cleanly shaven. We'll remove any body moisturizers on uh, on your skin just to ensure that we're not fighting anything on top. We're just using all that energy into your skin. Um, we'll apply the treatment and then apply a aftercare cream, give you your aftercare advice and see you again in around four weeks. 
uh, depending on how your results are going is when we'll space them. So treatment intervals vary. Take, for example, I've been having lazy hair removal for quite a considerable amount of time now, so I'll probably do a full body top up once a year. Okay. Um, but most of the time it's normal to expect a 70 to 90% reduction of the hair that you have and expect to attend the clinic for about 8 to 12 treatments. 8 to 12. And they would be spaced out, everyone's different, but what, a few weeks maybe? Four to six. Four to six weeks. And the aftercare after a laser treatment would be? Mm -hmm. So if you go to a, a skin clinic, you're hopefully getting a great consultation. Uh, that'll include all your information about pre and post care. And post care usually involves making sure that you're staying out of an active tanning habit. Uh, so things like sun exposure, if you're choosing to, um, unfortunately, hopefully none of your listeners do, but use a UV bed. Oh, <laughs> it's illegal Shame in this you. state, by the way, if you didn't know. I thought it was illegal across the whole country. It's just this. Uh, I think WA has changed recently, oh. right? which is why it's a good thing, I was a bit a cautious thing. about that. But yeah, I think I'm right in saying that. Okay. But yeah, stay out of the sun, don't actively tan. Uh, make sure that your therapist is aware of any medications you take d uh, daily or differently than what you did in your original consultation. Mm. Essentially what happens is your therapist will ask you if there's any medications you take daily, they'll give you your pre and after care. They'll talk you through how everything works and what you should expect as an outcome. Okay. We base your treatment intervals and settings on what we can see at that particular time, but also what notes we have from your consultation. Mm. So if something changes, just let us know and we can make sure you get a really safe and effective treatment. In terms of medications, what effect might they, ha what might they have on your treatment? Yeah, okay, so... Um, and what sort of medications are the ones that, you know, I mean, obviously you want to tell your therapist everything that's changed, but what are mm -hmm. the ones that are really going to impact your treatment? Sure, so we're never going to tell you to avoid a particular type of medication, but we just need to know what you're currently, currently taking or um, have changed. So some medications can affect your wound healing and can affect your ability to process light. And because laser is a light source, you can have a photosensitive reaction to um, having treatment. So what we'll ask you to do is, depending on what medication you're taking, rather choose to cease laser for a short amount of time, or we can change the way we treat you to ensure that you're still getting a great result um, and that it's still really safe. Yeah. I've had laser treatment, um, mainly for the underside of the beard. And, mm -hmm. you know, before I found out about laser hair removal I used to get little follicles and ingrowings and yeah I had no idea that this was available and it's really kind of changed you know my daily sort of shaving regime right. it's ridiculous yeah. but Jake feels quite liberated I do <laughs> I'm a new man but, no, but joking aside it, it's something that maybe men don't know about they, yeah. they maybe associate with women getting their Brazilians or their legs yeah and that's so not the case so I th what proportion of your clients are men would you say not much, but a lot more than it was. Okay. So when I first started in the industry and even just at Laser Clinics Australia six years ago, I would say that we're seeing far more uh, partners, boyfriends and just men coming through saying, do you know what? I don't want to be shaving every single day yeah. or give me a solution to my skincare that I don't want to be using 10,000 different creams and lotions and potions and just give me exactly what I need. Exactly. So I think with uh, laser hair removal to stay on topic, um, there's things that you wouldn't even think you can have done. Um, that are just so easy. I treat a lot of men, as you said, for the under the beard line and the top of the cheeks, yes. uh, just to give you that chiseled look. So instead of shaving it all the time, you look good. <laughs> Strike a pose. <laughs> um, for the, between the brows, brow shaping, hairline shaping. Another one oh, wow. is most men go and get their hair done, but they get the, the barber to shave their neck. Yeah. Just have laser. Yeah. You never have to worry about it. Um, a lot of men... Recently, I've had a lot of men coming through that are getting married soon and they're getting their knuckles uh, lasered because they're concerned about their wedding ring. So it's things that I wouldn't necessarily see as a massive wow. priority, but it seems to be very important to the male population of late. So okay. more power to them. 
And I guess you've got like um, we're living in a bit of a fitness fitness exactly crazed right. world at the yeah. moment. So everyone's becoming very yes. conscious and wants to show off all their <laughs> their rips yes. and definitions. So you, I guess you're getting a lot of guys coming in that want to. Yeah, funnily enough, we get a lot of men who want it, the hair just thinned out so they right. can see their ab definition a little bit better. Right. So that's, you know, that's definitely something that we can do. I think that laser hair removal, wherever you've got dark hair, we can look after you. Mm. So um, if you're shaving it, if you're waxing it, if you're removing it anyway, you're silly if you're not having laser. It's the easiest and fastest way to manage your hair growth and just requires little top-ups occasionally. Really good point. You can't do, or or can you do lighter hair or not, or white hair, even grey hair? It's debatable, to be honest. So there are a few clinical trials currently with machines that can target grey, red, blonde hair. The result will never be as amazing as we're able to achieve with darker hair. Mm. Um, We choose not to treat uh, blonde, red or grey hair currently. If you've got a lighter brown hair, we usually just drop our expected outcome. So if you are the classic laser hair removal client that has really dark, thick hair, you'll get about a 70 to 90% reduction. Mm -hmm. If, however, your hair is a bit thinner, a bit finer, a bit lighter, we usually drop that expectation to about 50 to 70%. And whilst it doesn't sound amazing, if you think about 50% of the hair gone, it's also 50% more time you have back in your regular daily routine that you're not worried about shaving your legs, your arms, your back, your chest, all those sort of things. And what's the reason why you can't target those lighter hairs, like the physics or what what is it exactly? (laughs) So going back to the main principle of laser hair removal, that's selective photothermolysis. If we break that word down, you're selecting a photon or a light source to find a target, create some heat Mm. and, and remove that that uh, that target so the darker the target the easier it is for the laser to find okay so what about darker skinned clients can they have good laser? Question. yeah good question so depending where you choose to source your laser hair removal or skin treatments they may have access to a laser that is able to target the blood supply to your hair follicle not necessarily the melanin which is the the target in the hair follicle yeah um so you risk if you are a tanner skin type if you're using a laser that's specifically targeting melanin or that colour in the hair follicle, mm. sometimes a laser can get confused and shoot for the hair and the skin, and that can cause an adverse reaction. If, again, you're able to source a solution in a clinic uh, that's able to provide you treatments with a um, blood, I suppose, targeted laser, yep. what that means is you were able to find the blood supply to the hair follicle rather than actually shooting for the Just melanin. indirect uh, killing of the hair follicle. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to explain on a podcast because I need to use my hands. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we are getting some footage. Uh, yeah, okay, so cut footage. to this now. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially if, if this is your skin surface and this is your hair, yes. and you've come in cleanly shaven so there's no hair on the surface. Yeah. A laser that targets, say, 755 nanometers, which is how we measure light will come through the skin find the hair follicle or the melanin in the hair follicle and detach the hair follicle so it starves falls so out and see, it's like the root <laughs> of the hair basically yeah exactly right yeah, yeah. so if you're uh, lucky enough to work with lasers that can provide treatments for darker skin types um, you'll be using in the case of laser clinics australia a laser called nendi yag and that laser will um, come through the skin just like our previous laser hmm. but what it'll do is it'll miss the melanin in the hair shaft entirely and actually shoot for the blood supply right uh, so we can treat anyone from super 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 light right through to our darker skin types with no and there's no, changing no effect results. to you know the blood supply to the skin no not at all it's targeted right uh, straight for that antigen hair growth wow so when you say darker skin types are we talking someone that's just tanned are we talking like african as dark as you can imagine we can look after you okay that's great because yeah. i guess there might be like you know uh, people out there that think that laser is not for them because they have a darker skin so yeah 
Okay. I, I was um, initially trained in laser that we could only provide it to live skin right. products. So with progression of time comes progression of knowledge and now we're at a point where we can treat absolutely anyone. That's wow. awesome. Okay. So, so just to sort of, um, so we've explained both the lasers, how the technology mm-hmm. works. So I've had my treatment done. I, mm-hmm. I go home. What, what, what can I expect like post, post-treatment? In yep, terms of yep. like, am I going to have any pain or swelling or is anything I should or shouldn't do? Like, is it mm-hmm. just business as usual or? <laughs> business as usual. <laughs> business yeah, as it usual. could definitely yeah. be business as usual. Uh, so it's important to remember that laser hair removal is team sport. So it's not just you, it's you and me. Yeah. So I can keep you super safe in the clinic, in that treatment room and give you all the information you need. But it is it really is up to you to take note of your consultation points, to ask any questions or any clarification that you need, just to make sure you're making the right decisions at home. So complications we can run into uh, is usually when the client doesn't necessarily focus too much on their aftercare. So things like you might be a little bit itchy. Uh, A good skincare provider will actually give you a a after laser balm or cream. You'll apply that as directed. If you choose not to do that, you might find that you're a little bit itchier. If you Mm -hmm. decide to scratch then, you open your skin up and you can get a little bit of an infection. Uh, that's something that, you know, isn't necessarily very common, but it is something that we've seen quite frequently um, before we're able to access some aftercare for our, our patients. So you can also experience a little bit more heat than usual. If it's super sunny outside and it's super hot, you'll find that you might uh, hold a little bit of heat in your legs. So it's important to keep them cool. So it's a bit like a sunburn. You just feel that irritation and it, and you can sort of feel the heat coming off it? No more than maybe five to ten minutes. To be honest, anything longer than, longer than that, you should be using an aftercare cream. I choose to all the time, even though I've got barely any hair left. Yeah. Um, and I think you should actively source a provider of laser hair removal and laser skin treatments that can give you an aftercare that's specifically targeted for that treatment. Yeah. Um, if in the event that you ever feel uncomfortable, remembering that laser hair removal and essentially all laser and, and skin treatments, it is a team sport you've actively sourced that particular therapist to look after you. So it's important that you work together as a team to achieve what you want. Um, Now, if you are ever feeling uncomfortable at home, the best person to provide you your aftercare or particular advice is the person who prescribed that treatment for you or performed that treatment for you. The reason for that is they know everything that happened in that treatment room. They know the settings. Exactly. They know what they are expecting you to to, um, I suppose, result with after your treatment. So pop back into your clinic, call your clinic, call your clinician, your skin therapist, your dermal therapist, whoever you chose to see and say, hey, this doesn't feel as I expected it to. Can you give me some advice on how to manage this? Rather than panicking and Googling exactly and right. going Don't on Google. Facebook. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Dr>. Don't Google. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you, in, in, you walk out of the treatment room and your mm-hmm. hair's gone yep. or like what happens? Does hair fall out later? Does it happen... Does it go yeah, walk yeah. out and just magically disappear? <laughs> that would be amazing. I also, I sometimes I feel that we should be inventing like a laser booth. You just get in and it goes Zzzz, and then everything's good. Uh, we're not there yet. That's but, your next uh, project. Yeah. <laughs> that's our next project, yeah. So um, essentially what happen is you'll leave the, the clinic hopefully very happy and it was a nice, fast and effective treatment. Uh, you'll probably feel a little bit of heat. It'll be a little bit itchy maybe. And you should expect to see results within two weeks. The reason we know that is that your laser uh, treatment is targeted towards those antigen hair follicles we were speaking about previously. They grow every four or so weeks. It'll slow down the more treatments you have. And depending on what laser you use, it might be two to three weeks that they'll start shedding. Mm. Um, but you should expect to see less and less and less growth uh, to a point where you're shaving every so often rather than every day. Did you say the androgen hair follicles? Anagen. Anagen. What, yeah. what is that? Uh, it's the, so the anagen hair follicle is the hair follicle that's in the growing stage. Okay. So um, essentially it's it's 
attached to its hair um, follicle and the food supply to it. So remembering that laser hair removal will detach that food supply and that blood supply, I guess. Uh, And because that hair weighs 5 to 25% at any given time, we know that's the sort of result we can achieve for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you say the hair sheds, so it it looks Mm -hmm. like it's still... I remember the first time I had it done, I'm like, my hair's yeah. still growing. Oh, yeah, out. good question. So. Yeah, yeah, good question. <laughs> this um, didn't work. I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even though you're in the clinic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Details, yeah. <laughs> so you're right, actually. That's a, that's a good point. So when your hair grows back, it, it almost grows back as normal. It just takes a little bit longer to see it. Right. And then you'll actually find the hairs will fall out. So if you choose not to shave in between your appointments, um, you'll notice that the hair will just kind of look a little thinner thinner and patchy. Mm-hmm. Patchy's normal. Uh, the more patchy you are, essentially, the more hair that's gone. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I have a couple more questions on hair removal. Did you have... I was going to... Please. I was going to ask actually about what's the worst case scenario in terms of complications. Uh, yeah, I've got, yeah. I've got one more. Might okay. be better to do before that. Go. Okay. Shoot. Yeah, yeah. So... We talked about dark skin types mm-hmm. and we can treat anyone up to say like, you know, from Africa, for example. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's, I know that like some of the things we tell patients is don't come in if you've had sun or you're suntanned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the difference between someone that's gone to the beach and tanned? Mm-hmm. So why can't you treat them, but you could treat someone that's got a really dark skin type? What's the, what's the difference? Good question. Good question. <laughs> you get the hard ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, why can't you actively see sun versus be a regular darker skin type? Yeah. So what usually happens in a consultation is we'll talk to you about what we need you to do to keep yourself safe. And one of those things is not actively pursuing a tan. So going to the beach and tanning, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. The reason we ask you to do that is that there's a particular cell in your skin called a melanocyte and the melanocyte controls the amount of colour redistribution in your skin. If you have active tan or active colouring in your skin, the laser sometimes get a little bit, gets a little bit confused mm. and it'll shoot for the melanin or the tan in your skin as well as the melanin in your hair follicle. So excessive amount of heat that stay or sorry, excessive amount of heat that stays in your skin as well as active skin cells make the treatment not as I suppose safe. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it's it's about actively pursuing a tan. It's not just your regular day to day sun. You should always be wearing an SPF, but if you are just seeing the basic run-of-the-mill sun, you're perfectly fine. If you're actively pursuing skin tanning, ideally don't have laser at the same time, but if you are choosing to do that, just let your technician know and they'll give you some advice as to where you should space your treatments. Usually two weeks before and after active sun tanning is safe. Yep. And just again, just to clarify the point, the the skin cell that we're concerned about, the melanocyte, it's also part of your wound healing. So because we're giving you a, a treatment that's specifically based on heat, if you're retaining heat in the skin, all the skin cells that are responsible for distributing um, melanin and tan, I guess, in the skin, it's not the safest outcome when using a laser. I guess as well, when you've been in the sun, your skin is retaining some heat. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. So if you heat... I don't know, what, what's the temperature that a laser shoots in at? So at 70 72, yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you're, someone's already been in the sun, so I guess you hold heat in your skin mm-hmm. for a period of time afterwards and then you heat yeah. it up even further with a laser. Exactly right. That's yeah. probably yeah. where it yeah. might become so most dangerous. The skin cells that we're talking about, yeah. they um, that's about the melanin, but you're mm-hmm. right. If you're actively pursuing a suntan, you've, you've had a lot of exposure to heat or sun before your appointments. Mm. Because we're using heat and the light source as part of your treatment, it means that your body will take maybe a little bit longer than what it would usually experience in terms of its reaction. So something that could be completely normal in terms of retaining heat after a laser treatment, it'll be longer. If you're likely to um, get a little bit of swelling in your hair follicles without excessive heat before, you'll experience 
experience that particular side effect longer. And in the worst case scenario, if you're choosing to actively tan and not let your therapist know and they provide the treatment just as normal, mm. you can in- increase your likelihood of receiving a an injury post laser hair removal where you've retained too much heat in the skin and then you know we're looking at aftercare for quite a prolonged amount of time then basically the amount of heat that's left just to qualify when you say are you actively tanning Mm -hmm. it always makes me laugh when i hear the therapist say that because we live in australia (laughs) it's about four million degrees outside and even walking to your car (laughs) you can get tanned yeah so what do you mean by are you tanning or are you you know yeah. So if your if your skin color is changing its its natural base, I guess, and you're actively pursuing darkening your skin, okay. it's also things. Um, strange enough, when we say actively tanning, it's also things like spray tans and gradual tans. Okay. Yeah, and tanning injections. Anything that's changing sort of the color of your skin. Yeah, we want to keep you as close to your baseline as possible because as close as your baseline is the safest outcome for everyone involved. Yeah. Cool. I guess it's important to um, note for our listeners is that. Um, we live in a really multi- multicultural society where we've got lots of different people running around with different genetics. And, you know, whilst the things that we're saying here are general, it's it's best to, again, you know, listen to the advice of your therapist because exactly you right. need to be individually yeah. assessed. We can't give a hard and fast set of rules for every single person. Yeah, yeah as a rule of thumb, stay as close to your, your baseline and um, make sure you attend your consultation. Let your therapist know of any changes and we can always make sure that we're you know, adhering to our policies and procedures, but also making sure you're as safe as possible and getting a really good outcome. That's our disclaimer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, so my last question about laser before mm. we move on was, um, yeah, complications and I guess burns is what we're mm-hmm. really talking about. Yeah, I hate that word. <laughs> um, you know, to put this in some context, out of how many how many serious burns could you expect in a year? Or, or oh, how gosh. common I is think, that? I think the number for um, our particular company was something like, we treated 2 million people last year. 2 million? The laser hair removal, yeah. In your It's clinic. amazing. Uh, in the company. I'd <laughs> love it. <laughs> so that's like, what, 100 <laughs> clinics or so, something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I think we, yeah, because we started in 2008, I think, and I think when I started there were about six clinics. That's There's insane. about 110 or something now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so how many burns in, in the clinic-wide um, sort of data? Or? Not many. We're really, really um, – your progression, sorry, progression of time is progression of knowledge. And when we first started, we were you know, confident in our consultations and obviously um, making sure that we always had the right qualifications to operate yeah. a laser. But I think everyone is – the technology gets better. Our consumers get more educated as well. And uh, we're at a particular point now where it's a consistent process. We're consulting every single time we do an appointment. We're making sure we're making the right decisions. Mm. And I think there's so much more access to information now for our clients too. So they're really taking the the aftercare really seriously. Yeah. And um, so to answer your question, if we treat 2 million you know, patients last year for laser hair removal, oh God, the complication rate would be so low. Um, it's like it's in the really... less than 1% sort of range? Yeah, less than 1%. Okay. So pretty rare then. Yeah. Um, and I think Jake touched on a really interesting point about the fact that he, um, in all of his medical training, even cosmetic medical training, um, hadn't really come across lasers. And I think that sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen people that um, get an adverse reaction mm-hmm. um, and rather than coming back to um, their their therapist or coming back to the clinic, they might go and seek alternate um, advice yeah. somewhere else. And I think that, you know, everyone obviously is choose, can choose to do what they want, but mm-hmm. um you know, I think it's important that the person they go and see understands the technology and understands what they're looking at because it could be misdiagnosed or they might get incorrect advice because they just haven't had exposure. I mean, Jake, from a doctor's perspective, um, I mean, do you you agree with that or do you? 100%, um, you know, 
at the end of the day, a burn is a burn and it should yeah. be managed by a you know, emergency department or obviously might be first yeah. assessed in the clinic. But you know, yeah, you'll find most skin health uh, clinics will have access to a doctor and a medical team straight away anyway. Yes. Uh, so the best thing is to return to your clinic, obtain the right advice then, and yeah. they'll refer you on if necessary. But also they can draw on a wealth of knowledge and experience, but also a massive team of people that can help you really quickly. Yes. And again, just going back to my previous point, if your therapist is a person that provided that treatment, that company knows exactly how that treatment was performed, exactly the settings, and can give you more information. Yeah. Um, it's also important that if, say, you are at home and the clinic isn't open or something like that, take as many notes as you can as to what you're currently experiencing because that can change the way that we administer our aftercare. Mm. Um, but you'll find that, you know, your great, great skin care clinics will have, an access, um, will have access to a medical team that can help you straight away. Yeah. Okay, great. I've got one last question on hair removal. Did you want to move on or you had something? Yeah, else? move on after, but okay. Yeah. How permanent is it? Say permanent <laughs> hair reduction, permanent hair yeah. removal. Some people yeah. think that it's forever. I know that like as a man, because mm-hmm. we have testosterone as our uh, dominant hormone, yeah. that it's not as permanent for us. Well, so can you just, just yeah. I know Jake, we're, we're, we don't want to get too bogged down on laser hair removal, but I think it's no, important yeah, yeah. to sort of no, how, how, how permanent yeah. is it? Uh, so the term is permanent reduction. Right. Uh, so we can actively source a reduction for you with your hair that's currently in your body. Uh, there's nothing to say that you won't necessarily grow a few more hairs as you age, as you change your hormonal makeup. Uh, certain medications can accelerate your ability to produce hair. Mm. Uh, if you're a female, pregnancy, menopause, those sort of things. Uh, eight to 12 treatments is usually... A, you know, a really standard amount for a 70 to 90% reduction. And most of my clients will choose to have maybe one treatment a year just to keep any extra hairs at bay. Like a top-up treatment. Yeah, yeah. remember that 90% for, say, an underarm, you might have two or three hairs. Yeah. Uh, so it's pretty manageable. But if you'd like to be, you know, keeping on top of everything, you can be as hair-free as you like as for as long as you like, as long as you have your top-up treatment. How smooth do you want to be, David? Oh, like like a baby's <laughs> bottom. <laughs> Okay, Cass, that was a great summary of laser hair removal. Thank you. Excellent. What other treatments can you do with a laser? Lots. Lots. It depends on your particular skin concern. Um, And you usually find that we use laser in conjunction with other treatment modalities like in-clinic skin treatments and home care. Uh, In terms of how we use lasers to achieve a skin result, it depends what you are particularly concerned about, but mostly we focus on pigmentation removal. We help with um, broken capillaries or vascular treatments, Mm. skin tightening and skin rejuvenation. Um, But again, we'll usually choose to use a a series of treatments using different modalities. So if you're working with pigmentation removal, say, it's a really popular treatment and you can just do laser, but you're best focusing on skin health as well and addressing texture and tone and how your skin behaves, how those cells behave. And going back to that cell we're talking about with laser hair removal, the melanocyte, Mm. if we are talking about managing pigmentation, it's really important to manage that particular cell's behavior. And we can do that whilst utilizing a laser, but also working through uh, things like skin peels, home care, making sure that you're making the right decisions in terms of how you're monitoring uh, your skin health in all areas of, of um, I suppose, your life, including diet and and uh, the products that you're using both in your life and on your skin. Hmm. So I guess if I'm your average client, I walk mm-hmm. in and I know nothing about skin and, yeah. and I've got concern about... I don't know, freckles or, yeah, yeah, or some yeah. sun, sun damage pigmentation on my mm-hmm. forehead. How do you broadly assess that person and, and what, what are the steps you take to decide what path you sure, might go? Yeah. So you'll pop in for a skin consultation. Uh, we'll talk you through 
uh, what we do as a company and what we can provide for you, but we'll actually assess the type of pigmentation you have mm. and work out whether or not we can control the stimulus so we can influence the outcome. Okay. Uh, there's lots of different reasons as to why you get pigmentation. A super easy one is UV exposure. Yeah. So if we can help educate you on the right products for using whilst managing the sun, um, and to ensure that you're getting a broad range of antioxidants in both your um, internal skincare in terms of the food that you're you're eating, mm. um, the supplements that you're taking, but also the products you're using on your skin, yeah. we can then make sure that you're best supporting the clinic treatments we'll provide for you. Yeah. Um, there's lots of different products you can use as well in your home care regime that can actually slow down your ability to produce that aging looking pigmentation. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, the, the best way to look after your skin is SPF. So we'll help you understand how that works and, and what sort of treatments to use in clinic too. Yeah. Prevent, not cure. Exactly right. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, we're talking to lots of different, you know, professional um, mm -hmm. professionals in, in different areas of the industry, whether they be nutritionists or doctors or surgeons. Yeah. Interesting. There's a, the common theme is that everything needs to work together. Exactly right. Um, yeah. You know, you need to have a good diet, you need to, you know, probably exercise, you know, yeah. you need to, you know, then you've got the treatments where, the in, you know, intervention. So, yeah, you you know, for, like peels or whether it be cosmetic injectables or surgery, it all, it's, it all it all, it, together, yeah, yeah, we all yeah. need to work to mm. all these different. So it's really interesting having these conversations with people such as yourself where it's just like, you know, it's just like all the bits of the puzzle start fitting together. Yeah. It used to be that you went to your beauty therapist, your skin therapist, your dermal therapist, and they said, here's this cream, use this cream, come back and buy it consistently for the next 10 years and we'll get your result. Now we can look at you and say, you know, just based on how your skin is presenting, how we think your, your uh, skin health is... Uh, influenced by the things that you are putting on your skin, putting in your body and ways that we can help you understand that skin health is, you know, a full circle approach. There's things like influencing your diet to influence the way your skin presents. It's putting your best face forward. And sometimes that might be adding, you know, more beta carotene into your diet or using skin health or skin food supplements. Yeah. Um, I know that you spoke to Fiona Tuck previously from um, Vitasol. She's got a really, really good book, a bit of a plug for Fiona actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, forms, you know, yeah, it forms a real base of a lot of my skin consultations because we look at where your body is, say, sensitised in terms of your skin, um, whether that could have something to do with your gut health and what supplements we could be prescribing for you to help, I suppose, support and maintain the results we're able to achieve for you in clinic. Yeah, it's a really important point. I mean, I don't know, the, the average client seems to think they can dip in, come in for a treatment yeah. and go away yeah. cured, basically. There are some treatments that you can get instant result. Right. Um, and if you have just a general skin interest rather than a particular skin concern, you can come in and say, have a treatment like microdermabrasion. Right. And that's technically quite a basic treatment, but it provides a really quick, easy, um, effective It's tangible. Result. You, you yeah. can resurface the skin and it looks better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So definitely there is, you know, the skin health as a system. Uh, but there's also the treatments so you can come in, no downtime, get a great result and, and on your way. If you have a specific skin concern and you're looking at preventing aging or maintaining your current skin health, maybe improving it, it's important to see, again, skin health as a system and it's working with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just touching on pigment again, I mm -hmm. know that you, one of the examples that you gave <clears throat> sorry, um, was UV light. Yeah. Um, but I know there's a lot of, um, particularly women who yeah. suffer with hormonal pigmentation, mm -hmm. um, and that tends to happen around, you know, menopause or pregnancy or the peel yeah, or things like that. Yeah. Is that different to treat 
than pigment from the sun or genetic pigmentation that you yes, just have. Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So your your therapist will ask you, a, you know, a series of questions about when the pigmentation started, how it presents. We'll also look at your skin and and make sure that we're dealing with the right type of pigmentation. Mm. We might um, do a series of different treatments to get you to a result where we're dealing with hormonal pigmentation, we're dealing with a bit of sun exposure. It could be the way that your body is naturally aging as well. We'll talk to you about antioxidants that you can be taking internally and using on your skin. We'll talk to you about managing the sun. We won't necessarily say to you, you know, this particular medication is likely to have caused your pigmentation, so stop taking it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we will help you manage it. And there are a lot of medications that you uh, can take that we can actually help you manage the side effects from. Hmm. Um, so we're not going to tell you not to take them, but we will help make sure that they only, um, well, at least as much as possible, give you a positive result for your skin. Yeah. You can't necessarily stop taking a medication that provides, you know, a stimulus for pigmentation or if you have a hormonal condition that can mean that you're more predisposed to having some hyperpigmentation or, you know, potentially hypopigmentation, which is more or less pigmentation than normal. Hmm. Um, we can't necessarily, I suppose, influence the stimulus, but we can support a healthier outcome. Okay. Now, not to sort of focus on, let's just talk about generalities. Mm -hmm. How does a laser treat pigmentation? What, yeah, sure. What so if we use um, the same kind of example as before, so we know that laser hair removal works on um, the pigment or the blood supply. The laser that we would use for pigmentation removal uses that wavelength that targets a hair follicle too. So it's going to find topical pigmentation. Mm. Uh, so we pulse the laser over the skin. The skin will then... Um, I suppose be quite quite hot. To be honest, one of our, our more uncomfortable treatments. Yeah. Uh, that being said, it's it's perfectly manageable, but it is quite hot. Mm -hmm. It's a very fast treatment, depending on the size and scale of the treatment area. But the laser will target the pigmentation itself, and will do one of a few things. The pigmentation will rather be um, darker to start with, and will shed off, just like a hair will shed out of its hair follicle. The mm -hmm. pigmentation will actually shed off the skin. Yeah. We can help you manage your aftercare too by providing services that can. Uh, exfoliate the top layers of your skin. We can also recommend health, um, sorry, skincare products at home to support your skin health. Uh, we can also use a laser to grow new, happy, healthy cells around the pigmentation mm. and rather push that pigmentation up mm. and out or lighten the pigmentation that's currently there. Okay. Interesting. So when you're saying um, it comes up and off, so I guess if like the, for example, like the, the pigmented, we'll call them freckles, yep. for example, for mm -hmm. the sake of this um, discussion. Yeah. Um, they get dark, they form like little scabby things at the top and then they Weirdly just sort of fall off. Weirdly enough, if you've had Milo or coffee, coffee's probably more adult. <laughs> someone sprayed Milo in your face. Milo's yeah. for chocolate, for those who don't know. It's it's excellent. I love Milo. Uh, <laughs> here I am talking about skin health and diet, but like I love Milo. Uh, but, All got our vices, yeah. 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 So uh, when you have a pigmentation treatment, it's normal for the topical pigmentation to present like Milo or um, like coffee granules on your skin for Depending on, on what type of skin, you know, your baseline is, hmm. usually it's about four to seven days afterwards you'll see that the skin's starting to lift. Okay. At that point, we usually recommend that you start using a digestive acid at home or you can come in and have a microdermabrasion in clinic. Hmm. Uh, and again, that's just re, I suppose, reiterating my point that we will treat your skin in a system. So we'll provide the laser, laser services, but we'll also be supporting you in how to manage the, I suppose, after care and, and results of having laser hair removal, yeah. sorry, laser pigmentation removal, uh, and and make sure you're using the right products at home. I'm assuming it's not advisable to scratch 
or try and no. <laughs> accelerate that process of those coming off. No, Adam, we live in no. a world where we want everything yesterday. Exactly so. right. Yeah. So in your consultation, which you'll attend because you'll be a very well-behaved client, you'll come to your consultation and we'll talk to you about what you should and shouldn't do. And one of them definitely is don't pick or scratch. If it um, comes off too quick, you'll get those little like pink marks for a little while. Yeah. Um, again, we can help you manage that, but the best practice is to just leave it as is and come in and see us about a week later so we can help you manage it. Okay. What other modalities can you use to treat pigmentation? Skin needling is one? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, skin needling, we can use product infusion as well through Sounds skin needling. Sounds painful, skin needling. It's my favourite thing. Honestly, it's my favourite treatment and I think it will be for my whole life. So, so what is it, first of all, for people who've never heard of that? Yeah, so skin needling, it's, it is a scary, a scary Sounds like term. some form of ancient torture, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so essentially, um, it is. that's me holding it. I'm so excited yeah. about it, yeah. Uh, so skin needling or mesotherapy revolves around the theory that if you are um, controlling a wound in the skin, you can simulate a wound response. Mm-hmm. In the um, example of skin needling, we're using a tiny needle, depending on what depth we choose is what we're trying to stimulate, yeah. uh, and uh, rolling it into the skin. What will happen then is your body will see that particular um, incision mark as a wound, mm-hmm. and your body will produce collagen elastin that you weren't necessarily going to have before. So we're physically growing you new skin, skin cells, yeah. supporting your anti-aging uh, I suppose goals and helping you grow new, happy, healthy skin. So we find that we can treat almost everything with skin needling. We use it in conjunction with a lot of our treatments, but I think one of the best things about mesotherapy or skin needling is that because it's um, what's well, technical term is collagen induction therapy, mm. uh, it changes the way your skin cells behave. It grows your new skin. It supports almost every single treatment that we're able to provide you. And instead of just putting something on your face, we can actually infuse a treatment inside your skin, right. feed the cells that are there and help support them to be happy, healthy and really vibrant cells when they're up the top of your skin. Yeah. So it treats everything. It's amazing. Am I right in saying the derma roller or those rolling yeah, yeah. needles? Yeah. Do you still use those or is it? We do, yes. That's manual needling. We also have the ability to use one at home, which is a shorter needle depth. Mm-hmm. Depending on what particular skin concern you have is what depth we'll choose. So a higher needle um, or a shorter needle in the skin produces a higher response. Okay. Uh, so if you're doing, say, dermal needling, you're stimulating collagen elastin, so you're helping with uh, scarring, so acne scarring. It's excellent for acne scarring. Right. And topical will help with hormonal pigmentation uh, and, and fine lines and wrinkles. But essentially, if you, if you have the access to it, you should really be considering using a home roller. Yeah. Talk to your, your consultant about how to best use it and what products to use it with. It's just a change of how you um, use your products at home. So I like to make sure that my clients are using a water-based serum uh, after they do their home needling because essentially what that means is instead of just putting a product on your face, we're actually able to infuse it into your skin. And when we do a treatment in clinic, we're able to do a really deep penetrating treatment but making sure that we're feeding the cells that we're growing as well so you get your best possible outcome. Okay. So just to... um you know, illustrate this to people who still have never seen this before. <laughs> Do yeah. you in the clinic are you using like a, an electronic? Uh, looks like a pen, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so with a needle on the bottom. Bites. You can do manual rolling, which is like a roller that has little needles attached to it. Yeah. Or you can use a motorized pen, yeah. essentially mesotherapy. 
Uh, the treatment itself takes around 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, in most cases, clients will choose to use numbing, but it's not 100% necessary. Right. It feels like a tattoo. Yeah. It feels like you're getting a tattoo. Yeah, okay. I don't, you have have, yeah. I don't have a tattoo. <laughs> well, I can tell you. I've had both. Okay. And yeah. um, the skin, it sort of feels a little bit like a tattoo. It's like that. With, yeah. uh, especially with the um, the pen. Mm-hmm. It just, it sounds, it feels like Yeah, it does, it like does sound a bit yeah. strange. Hmm. We find that a lot of our clients that are, you know, quite skin enthusiasts, I guess, that are doing cosmetic injectables, they're doing skin health treatments like cosmetic peels, those sort of things, are very, very much about using a home roller and utilising their their therapist to provide those sort of treatments because it really does support what your injector is trying to achieve for you, what your aesthetic goals are, but also from a dermal therapist's point of view, that your skin health and the way your skin ages and behaves. So we like to think of it as like an all-rounder. And honestly, if you try one treatment, I think uh, in terms of dermal therapy, you should be definitely utilising skin needling. Mm, It's a really important point. I mean, we said a lot of clients as injectors, they want, you know, lines gone and, mm-hmm, and cheeks mm-hmm. and et cetera. But if the canvas of the face, the skin is yeah, poor yeah. quality or, or just not looked after. Exactly right. You're never going to achieve that excellent result. So, you know, we work with you guys yeah. really closely. What's one of the most beneficial things to do and choose as a client as well is to utilize both both professionals in that particular clinic. So it's a um, it's a strange analogy and hopefully I do it justice, but someone once explained this to me as uh, your skin's like a bed, like it's like a mattress and a sheet and your cosmetic injector will help restore the volume and uh, I suppose like the projection and health of the mattress, mm. whereas the skin therapist's job is the sheet. Mm. So you can put a lot of effort into your mattress, but if your sheet isn't amazing, trim, taut and, you know, straight, <laughs> we, um, you know, we aren't getting the best result for you. So if you think about your cosmetic injector can help you with with how you age, the way that your muscles are responding to aging and your volume and, and facial structure. I mean, you're all over this. Uh, <laughs> I get very excited talking about this topic. Um, but working with your skin health professionals well in terms of a, a therapist can help the way your skin looks and, and heals yeah. and supports the results that you have in clinic. Again, moving back to skin needling, we're producing new collagen elastin cells. And that's exactly what you're trying to increase with your, your cosmetic injections in terms of anti-aging. Yep. So if we can work together, you get a much better result. And essentially it's better value for your money too because you're guaranteeing a prolonged result when using the right skin hair in treatment and at home. Yeah, it's, again, we're going back to this, you know, um, methodology or thought of holistic yeah. holistic yeah. outcomes. So, you know, if you see a cosmetic injector, they're taking care of, you know, shape, volume loss, yeah. you know, enhancing, um, and then you've got, like a dermal therapist mm-hmm. or, um, taking care of texture, tone, colour, exactly all right. those sorts of things. Yeah. So it'd be like only doing, making half the bed. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Totally agree. And and <laughs> yeah. it's the same the opposite way around. Many people, you know, they're quite, they can choose to do more natural treatments if they want. But if, yeah. if they never address the structural and only do the skin, they'll only get halfway to maybe what they exactly want to right. do. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just quickly, I know we sort of touched on the, um, the skin needling procedures. Mm-hmm. Just very briefly take us through what's that like? How does it work? What are they experiencing afterwards? Recovery, downtime, etc. Yeah, sure. So uh, you'll come into your clinic. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure there's no makeup or oils or anything on the skin. You'll usually have a skin health treatment before you have skin needling. It's not necessarily something that you go straight into. Mm-hmm. A lot of our clients will choose to have like microdermabrasion or a skin peel A few, a few warm-up treatments. Yeah, yeah right, a okay. bit of stretching and warm-up. Uh, the treatment itself, again, you can choose to use numbing if you choose to. Um, I don't think you really need to, but it's definitely an option to speak to the person that's providing that treatment for you. Uh, when we do the treatment, we're rolling the treatment or so the, the device over your skin. 
about 45 minutes or so, your skin will present with uh, consistent redness, a little bit of pinpoint bleeding just because we are using uh, like an incision technique. Your body will then uh, start producing new collagen and new elastin. You're going to a bit of an inflammatory process. So it's normal for your skin to feel a bit hot and a little bit puffy. That'll usually uh, subside within about one to three days. Because we are using that pinpoint bleeding, you can sometimes get a little bit of dotting or spotting through your skin uh, called petechia, and that will that'll subside within five days. All that being said, though, you can just use a mineral makeup if you're comfortable to um, about 24 hours after your treatment uh, and return to work, work as normal. Right. But if you're a guy, you don't want <laughs> if you're makeup, a guy. you just got to you don't <laughs> wear makeup. Except being yeah. socially <laughs> unacceptable for a, a yeah. couple of days. I guess it depends yeah. on how deep you go too, right? I guess you exactly can control right. the depth so yeah. someone that can afford more downtime or yep. can wear makeup might opt for a more significant treatment. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I've, I've had needling once. I put my hand up as a guinea pig as right. I normally do at the clinic and I looked like I'd been on the beach for yeah. a few hours. It's like a bit red redness, and then yeah. I didn't really notice anything the next day. So it's pretty, yep. you know. For me, next. when I, I choose to do it, I will go quite deep just because I figure while well, I'm here, I might as well do it. Going to camera then. <laughs> <laughs> I've already booked you in. Uh, <laughs> allow four hours to travel. It takes ages. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> when I do my skin, I choose to use quite a deep uh, needle length. For me, that means that my aftercare is a little bit longer and I pursue um, more of a result in terms of acne scarring and, yeah. and dealing with post-acne um, pigmentation. So depending, again, exactly what David said, depending what you choose to utilise in your treatment room and for your treatment depends on your aftercare. But essentially one to three days, you're back to perfectly normal and your results will start compounding and improving over the next three months. Okay. So just to um, recap the the main indications for skin mm-hmm. needling, it was pigmentation, acne everything. scarring and, yeah. and everything in between. Yeah, it's really, really good for skin rejuvenation. Okay, so um, you could just be, uh, you know, someone who just wants an improvement without a particular Yeah, exactly issue. right. It's also people, we have heaps of clients that come in that have great skin, mm-hmm. great skin, and they just want to maintain where they are yeah. and ensure that they age better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're producing, again, more collagen lesson that you would have had before. Okay. So it's it's about skin health, skin rejuvenation, and if you've got a particular ailment, we can help you with that as well. Cool. I guess it's like if you've got a good body and you go to the gym, you're not going to stop going to the gym. You want to maintain exactly what right. you've got, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. Now, this we could do a whole series of episodes on this next question, but I'm going to ask you in the most broadest terms, what is a good skincare routine? <laughs> Lots. Go. In, in, in 100 words or less. Go. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay, so it's important to see skin health as a system. So your skin routine should support that. Uh, so it's what you put on your skin. It's what you, you take within your diet. It's whether or not you're accessing great home care, whether you're using the right ingredients, whether you're using them the right way as well is really important. And making sure that you have someone that you're working with to get the, you know, the updates on your skin health options. Yeah. So when we talk about what makes a good skin health routine or a good good skin care routine it's not necessarily just the products you're using it's how you're using them yeah. a lot of times our clients will come in and they'll say oh my god i've got such oily skin and i'm using benzoyl peroxide everywhere and now i'm really dry and inflamed yeah so benzoyl peroxide has its merits but you need to use it properly and that's where that professional steps in you know i i I'm fully agree that i'm not a skin specialist and i definitely leave this stuff to you but you know when clients come in and they say exactly that i've got really dry skin or or whatever and i've been i'm exfoliating every night yeah and you're like well no wonder you look yeah. red and dry yeah uh, you know people are almost self-diagnosing themselves and picking exactly up right. cream yeah. off the shelf in the blind yeah. hope that it might help so something that's really common is people saying i've got really oily skin 
Yeah. Uh, and the skin isn't actually necessarily oily. It's so overexcited about all the stimulus it's receiving that it's just producing more and more and more oil. Yeah. Or people will say, I have really dry skin, but is it dry or is it dehydrated? And then how can we help you with that? How do they differ? Uh, so when we pop you in for a consultation, we'll go through your lifestyle, we'll go through products that you're using, we'll look at your skin, we'll assess what you're looking to achieve in your skin, but we'll also think about whether or not the products you're currently using are supporting those goals. Mm. So sometimes you can be using a treatment that might actually be drying your skin out. Um, your body can't produce its own water, so sometimes it'll produce more oil to hydrate your skin. Okay. So again, popping in for your consultation and, you know, most of your uh, skin therapists will provide a free consultation just to talk to you about what your goals are. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about saying, you know, you need to use this product and this product and this product. It's talking to you about the products you're currently using, what ingredients are in them and how do we best utilize them mm. and how do we best um, provide like a, a full circle approach to this. So can we be utilizing our medical team? Can we be doing in-clinic treatments, at-home care treatments? We always had clients that will say to me, I'm really natural. I don't necessarily want to be using a lot of chemicals in my face. What can you help me with? Yeah. And we can talk them through those sort of alternatives as well. Hmm. So again, we could do you know hours and hours and hours talking about what makes a good skin health routine or in skincare routine. Yeah. I think it's important to see it as a system and really break down what you're putting on your skin, what you're putting, what you're putting in your body and making sure that you're accessing the right information and using the products the right way. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel that, a lot of your clients feel like when you talk about product that they see it as you sort of selling to them and they don't see it as part of the treatment? Uh, sometimes, yes, which is why um, I've just started a, a uh, I suppose, an information source called Full Circle Skin. Hmm. So Full Circle Skin is non-branded advice. So I'm talking simply about exactly what that ingredient is, how it works and how you can best utilize it. And then take that information that you're now armed with to your skin health professional and say, hey, I'm really interested in vitamin A. I've read about this and then you can talk to that particular therapist about the brands that they're able to offer you or the treatments are able to, to, to deliver to you. Yeah. I think that it's really important to, um, to really look at why you're using the products you're using, how you're using them and what ingredients you can find from multiple different sources, not necessarily just about a product. Yeah. And sometimes it can definitely feel like you're selling a particular treatment to, to a client. So for me, um, I make sure that my consultations, even though I do work for a franchise, are, you know, making sure that I'm giving them all the information they need to make the right decisions for them. Yeah. And of course, making sure the products that I do prescribe for them are the best available to them. Mm. Can you, again, this is going for hours, but <laughs> can you roughly break down the common products that people are using or recommended or, you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, something that's really uh, important to your skin health is the use of AHAs or alpha hydroxy acids. Mm -hmm. Uh, sounds scary, but it's pretty pretty accessible nowadays. Um, most people choose to use lactic acid, which is quite a hydrating and, and gentle exfoliating treatment. Mm -hmm. It's usually found in cleansers, funnily enough. So it's good for people that are time poor because they are then using exfoliating and cleansing in one step. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a lot of popularity around uh, digestive cleansers at the moment because people are really time poor mm. and they want multitasking treatments. So if you change anything about your skin health routine, I'd probably recommend um, utilizing a daily AHA, mm -hmm. making sure you keep up with your sunscreen because we know that's the best 
the best thing you can do for your skin and take a look at the the vitamins and minerals you're taking in your diet to best help support your skincare. And to simplify, what what does the AHA do? What is the benefit? So an AHA, if you think about an exfoliant, most people usually think about a physical exfoliant. So it's like scraping their face. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes that definitely has its place, definitely. But for um, most clients, myself included, when we use a physical scrub, sometimes it can create a little bit of sensitivity mm. and sometimes we love the result too much and we use it every day yeah. um, and that can, you know, cause its own sort of ailments. But a digestive acid or an alpha hydroxy acid will actually digest the glue that keeps your skin cells together mm. and the two utmost layers of your that skin. That doesn't sound good. No, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost there, I'm explaining. <laughs> so it'll digest the glue that keeps those skin cells together. So instead of physically scrubbing them off, you're actually allowing them to sloth their fiber <laughs> themselves. Uh, so what that means in terms of what you'll feel is your skin will feel retexturized, it'll feel softer and smoother and it's less abrasive and aggressive than physically scrubbing your skin. I have to say I'm using Electic. Yeah, and good. Even straight after the shower you're like, oh, looks a bit better. Yeah, the good. pores look a little less refined. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Refined like a polish. Smooth. Yeah. yeah. Use on your whole body. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess <laughs> as we age the, um, the, the natural cycle of our skin slows down so it i does, think yeah. probably the ahas yeah just a low level don't go too crazy using a lot every day um speak to someone who's who's really passionate about skin health about what sort of products and ingredients you can be using to benefit your skin mm-hmm. um but you're right as you age your skin cell turnover slows and then you get that duller complexion you heal a wound slower mm. and you present with not necessarily your best face forward and ahas can really help support you in turning back a bit of aging but also supporting your aging moving forward so am i right in saying you know if you look at the cross section of some skin mm-hmm. you've basically got multiple layers and and on the top like you just said you've you've got the sort of dead or older or duller yeah. yeah. cells yeah so the purpose of the cleansing or in some cases the exfoliation is mm-hmm. to expose the newer cells yeah exactly so by digesting the intercellular glue which keeps those cells bonded together you're slothing off the top layers of your skin and, re- and showing the newer fresher healthier skin okay if you're coupling it with um in clinic treatments again talking about like skin needling and mesotherapy we're actually exposing those healthy happy cells underneath mm. um and it's kind of like giving yourself a bit of a detox cleanse every day okay so that's AHAs. Yeah. Then, I mean, what what's the next common thing that people might be buying? Is it the vitamin yeah, serums? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so vitamin serums. So try and look for serums vitamin that... Vitamin for those English people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Vitamin, vitamin. Uh, so vitamin serums. I think of it like your daily multivitamin for topical skincare. Uh, so looking for things that are multitasking too. Absolutely, um, you know, one ingredient serums are great but for me i like to use a multitude of of ingredients in one particular product Mm -hmm. so look for water-based treatments as well because they're easily accessible to the skin Mm. um and pretty much good for everyone okay so you you touched on vitamin a Mm -hmm. and then you can get b and c and yeah what are what are these broadly used for and why should someone buy one versus the other or should we have all of them uh, short answer, get all of them. Uh, okay. <laughs> but also consult the person that's looking at your skin. Of course, this is um, general information, yeah. but just so people would understand why you might use A, which is retinol. Yeah, yeah. So a low-level retinol daily is quite good for most skin types. Mm. Um, vitamin C is an excellent antioxidant. It helps supporting um, brightening of pigmentation and ageing. Okay. Uh, you can also think about incorporating vitamin B5, vitamin E for skin healing, skin rejuvenation, mm. and taking them internally as well can really support your results that you're looking for in your skincare. 
does it matter um, whether they're, um, I think you touched on water-based versus mm -hmm. more greasy or some of these can yeah. come in granules? Like what's the, what's the purpose of cream versus a granule, for example? Or a serum. Okay. Or, or a serum, yeah. yeah. Um, in the particular routine that I choose to use, I like to keep my treatments uh, like light. Um, I find that because I have quite an oily skin type, I don't deal very well with a creamier substance. Okay. For clients that require a little bit more hydration, look at utilising those types of treatments and, and skin care products. Yeah. Uh, again, the best thing to do is go in and have a consult and, and see what you can best achieve for the products that you will, are choosing to take home. Yeah. Um, but as a general rule, try and look for multitasking products. So it's again, you know, easier to fit into your day exactly daily regime right. as well. Yeah, exactly right. If it's not a hassle, <clears throat> it becomes something that's natural to you and it's just another little extra step. Mm -hmm. If you can do something like your AHA that's a cleanser, it's doing cleansing and exfoliating at once. Yeah. If you're doing a serum that has a multitude of um, vitamins in it, it means that you're getting the most out of your skin health. Yeah. When you choose to use multiple brands of products, make sure that you are talking to the people that you're purchasing the product from because some ingredients cannot necessarily work too well together mm. and some ingredients can counteract what you're trying to trying to achieve in other in other areas. Yeah. So it's an it, look it's an interesting topic because it's again with skin health as a system, we're talking about home care treatments, we're talking about in clinic, we're talking about digestion and and gut health and it's important again to work as a team. So don't just rely on one source of information yeah. and one particular product. I think that was, you know, a lot of clients they're put off by it because they think it's complicated and time consuming. But yeah. really, you know, having just started it myself, it literally takes about a minute in yeah, the morning and yeah. the night. And yeah. and the benefits are pretty obvious, you know. Exactly right. Lots of comments about my nice skin. That's good. That's good. So we've spoken about the AHAs and, and mm -hmm. cleansers, so um, exfoliating type products mm -hmm. and the vitamins. What does moisturizer do? <laughs> Moisturizers? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, hear, I hear lots of conflicting information. It's mm -hmm. like it helps with anti-aging, it doesn't, it's better to take moisture internally. Are the, like a moisturizer is going to help me from aging or how, how do they work? Uh, big question. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I don't know whether you're asking this question, but many people think there's this magic cream mm. that you can yeah. buy to look younger or, or get rid of lines around your eyes, for example. Is that... Okay. Yeah. Bullshit, yeah. <laughs> for want of a better word. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So no, not one cream, not one moisturizer can do absolutely everything. There are a lot of products that can do a lot, but not necessarily, you know, cure everything that you, you're concerned with. Yeah. It's about addressing why you're aging or why you're, produ you're producing a particular ailment and then working with what we can support you with in your home care. So when we talk about, you know, what does moisturizing do and how does a moisturizer help me, it depends on the ingredients you're choosing to use. If you have really uh, dry skin and it's something that's, you know, unmanageable and doesn't matter what, what you put on and how many products you use and how expensive that cream is, mm. if it isn't the right ingredient, it's not going to help. It can't penetrate. So, or... Exactly right. Yeah. So it's just, you know, speak a little more technically, it depends on the molecular size of the product that you're using and whether or not it's penetrating. Mm. It depends whether or not you're exfoliating as well, because if you're just putting a moisturizing agent onto dead skin cells, it's not penetrating. Yeah. Um, if you're using the wrong type of ingredients, we find that some people who say, I have really you know, dry skin and they're using a lot of retinol, you're actually impairing the barrier so your skin's red and it's mm. sensitive. Uh, so not one cream fixes everything and not just moisturizing will fix everything. But it, again, using it in a system is a really good idea. As a rule of thumb, think about using a cleanser daily, preferably twice, <laughs> and a, a multivitamin serum. With your moisturizer, 
Pick a moisturizer based on hopefully professional advice, but if you're choosing to research your own uh, your own products, look for treatments that do a multitasking, um, I suppose, outcome. So an SPF is, is crucial for day, especially if you're living in Australia. Uh, it's one of the most... Um, so it's underrated products is SPF because A, you should use it every day, but it supports everything in your skin health. And we know that aging is is primarily, I suppose, responding to sun, especially yeah. in Australia. Not to talk about any particular brands, but a lot of people hate the fact that the SPFs are very thick and, mm-hmm. and so obvious. Like, are there sort of more camouflaged ones or, or tinted yeah, ones? Absolutely. Or? Yeah, tinted sunscreen is great. I wear that almost daily. Um, so if I'm choosing to wear like a daytime, um, makeup, I usually look for things that have SPF in it. Mm. Uh, for those of us that don't wear makeup every day, using a tinted sunscreen is quite a nice way to give a bit of a complexion glow and utilize SPF. Mm-hmm. For people who don't use, um, to use a tinted product or use makeup daily, mm. look for products that, uh, suit your skin type. So some people will use a chemical sunscreen or a physical sunscreen. They'll use different brands that work well with them. Yeah. Try as you go. And um, a lot of skin health uh, businesses will allow you to try samples as well. Uh, and yes, sometimes sunscreens feel a little bit greasy, but you can also um, manage that with the other products that you choose to use as well. Yeah. Okay. Now, what do you do? Let's say someone comes in for acne management yeah. and you're just not getting on top of it. Like what is your sort of... At what point do you pull the skateboard and say, okay, I need some help here? Like, uh, yeah. how long would, would you give it? And, you know, what's your Ac- Acne is a really big topic, isn't yeah, it? It tends to affect tough, lots yeah. of different people at different stages of their life. And some yeah. people suffer. I know, like women, for example, because of, um, I guess, hormonal changes mm-hmm. will can sometimes suffer with it, like, you know, for much longer in their yeah, life, like yeah. well into their forties. Yeah, exactly um, right. It's it's a it's a tough one, and it affects all areas of your life. You know, which let's about. just talk about acne briefly. Sure. That's yeah. such. I mean, it's a huge. Can't talk about these topics in in five minutes. But <laughs> as a very broad thing, what are you looking for for that acne client who comes in and and you know they've tried all the creams and potions from the yeah. from the pharmacy? What's your strategy? So first off, I'll talk to you about what you have done before. And what sort of results you've achieved and when you chose the skin treatments that you did previously why you chose that and what you found gave you a bit of relief Mm. or and that can give me a a good kind of um, identification as to what sort of path i should be looking on um you also talk about what sort of routine your your skin is in which sounds silly but it's true if you find that you're really oily and then you break out a lot if you're breaking out more towards the low end of your face around your hairline your back your chest those sort of areas we'll start looking at what type of acne you have and what we believe could like potentially be a cause mm. it's important to note too that acne has so many different causes and sometimes there's a few of them involved in what you're presenting with so it's important that we take a, you know, a decent amount of time to really yeah. talk you through yeah. how your skin's behaving We'll do a few treatments to see, um, I suppose, how your skin responds. We'll trial some products with you. But, again, it's it's really important to work with a team that has access to a, a, med- a medical team because sometimes acne doesn't necessarily mean that we're just working with internal, uh, sorry, external skin. Yes. It can be your internal blood work as well. Mm. But talking to people who are really confident in um, skin nutrition as well in terms of what you're putting into your body. Yeah. Um, because sometimes we need, you know, a, a team of people so we can work on your skin and how it's behaving. We'll consult a nutritionist or our um, our skin knowledge in terms of nutrition. Yeah. Um, and then speak to a medical team. It's not necessarily that we pull the cord and say, okay, now I'm going to give you to a doctor or now I'm going to give you to an, a. Um, you just get additional help. Yeah, yeah. Whilst so, you're supporting the the things yeah. that you offer. 
Yeah. It's, it's important too that some people say I have acne, but they might just have a bit of congestion. Mm. Um, I'm seeing a massive increase lately. What's the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sorry. Um, so acne is like it's a broad term. So it's kind of like saying I've got a cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's lots of different things you could be presenting with. At the moment, I'm seeing a massive um, increase in congestion clients based on the type of makeup they're using or really not the makeup trends that we're seeing. So we're seeing a lot of contouring. We're seeing a lot of spray tans, those sort of things, and that can help clog your pores. And mm-hmm. once you relieve that stimulus or you help manage that stimulus, you can influence the outcome. If, however, your breakouts are hormonal-based, uh, that's something that we can usually help you with when addressing your diet, but also potentially uh, accessing someone in a, in a medical field to help mm. us address that too. How would you very briefly diagnose whether it's a hormonally driven acne? We go through your skin consultation and ask you a series of questions about when your body breaks out and how your skin responds to certain ingredients. And um, if you're a female, um, patterning in terms of your menstrual cycle. Okay. Um, but there's lots, and your age has a lot to do with it as well. Mm. Um, we usually do a combo. So we'll treat, say, congestion or slow skin cell turnover because we know that congestion can sometimes be caused by a slow skin turnover. So utilising AHAs to bring us back to our previous question, mm-hmm. we can look at um, addressing oil flow. We can look at addressing the way that your body is responding to a wound, its inflammation, mm-hmm. those sort of things. And that kind of, it attacks different levels and different stimulus behind why you're breaking out yeah. and hopefully get you uh, to a really healthy outcome. Great. Okay. Um, I guess we've we spent a bit of time now covering treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's you know a huge amount of people who um, are currently beauty therapists or dermal therapists or looking yeah. to embark on on this sort of journey and seeing you know what their career could potentially look like. You're someone that's I guess started you know, as a therapist and now mm-hmm. in a position where you own and run two laser clinics, you've done, achieved a lot. Um, be great if you could just take us briefly through that journey, so just for people to understand um, or get get some sort of idea about what would be achievable for them and where a career starting as a beauty therapist could lead them. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my my way of progressing through the industry is is the, the classic one. So you start as a beauty therapist, you move into skin, you you know learn as much as you possibly can and continue learning. You manage your team and influence their ability to provide great services to and access to education, and then you know pursue formal qualifications and, and maybe look at owning and, and running your own clinics. Um, that being said, I think we sometimes get caught up with building the stairs. We see we see the top level and this is where we want to be, but we forget that it is definitely step by step by step, and no two journeys are the same. What I recommend for people that are thinking about working in this sort of industry is start now. Sounds like a silly thing to say, but there's so much education available that's free for starters. Uh, you don't necessarily need to be making of that. Yeah, yeah. Free. <laughs> you're on that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's free access to education. It's about surrounding yourself with people that have the same sort of goals as you, but most importantly, working for a company or a group of people that have the same goals and education, um, I suppose, opportunities that you're looking for and you're a right cultural cultural fit. I was really lucky that when I started in beauty therapy, I was able to quickly identify that the aesthetic points in terms of cosmetic treatments like tanning and waxing and tinting and those sort of things weren't necessarily something that really, I suppose, resonated with me. So I chose to work with companies that were able to provide me education opportunities to pursue skin. You'll find that a lot of companies actually will provide a product in their clinic that's attached to a training institute, mm-hmm. and that will allow you to continuously learn and grow and develop your skincare knowledge, but also accepting you're always going to be learning. Yeah. 
I'm probably, what, 14 odd years old now in industry and I learn something new almost every day. It's a constantly renewing and evolving industry. So if, if you're new to industry and you're thinking about what you want to do, start looking for people that are doing it or are doing a similar thing and feel free to reach out to them. I love hearing from people saying, hey, Cassandra, I'm really passionate about skin health, but I don't know where to start. Cool. You just you just earned yourself about three hundred thousand uh, emails and text messages. And hey, uh, we've got three hundred thousand. Oh, just made it up. There we do now. Yeah, start where you are and and think about future you. I know that sounds you know a bit you know inspirational, but Tony Robbinsy. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is. But honestly, that's what I do my whole life. I always think, what's future Cassandra doing? What does she love? What is she great at? What is she? What is she? Um, yeah, and and chase that person. Work back. So if you want to go work in a you know a doctor's office or a dermatologist's office, if you want to work for a an industry leader, a franchise, a clinic, if you want to be a sole operator, mm. remember that learning is a journey, and this sort of industry is always evolving. Surround yourself with the right people, and if you're lucky, try and work with companies that do have access to training um, academies and and great products. Yep. And everything's always it's not necessarily about finding a mentor. Sometimes your mentor is you is your as so future self. So it sounds, again, silly, but sometimes you're just chasing that person consistently yeah. and having a really clear idea of who that person is and what they do. And, and again, start now. There's nothing stopping you from starting now and making decisions as to what you want to do. Yeah. Be not necessarily a, like a dermal therapist is any, uh, I suppose, more important in a team either than someone who's at a reception. You might want to start working as a receptionist in a skin clinic. To understand the industry, exactly the right. things that come in, will you enjoy yeah. it before you oh. embark on that? Yeah. Well, we've had people that have worked in our clinics who've started as receptionists that are now cosmetic injectors. Exactly right. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly right. So start where you are, start now and start thinking about future you. Surround yourself with people that are as passionate as you are and have access to education and, and opportunities that make you really inspired to go to work as well. Mm. I'm very lucky. Um, my dad, when I was younger, he said to me that very few people are good at their job and love it. And I think I'm rather good at my job and I love it. And I think mm. that's that's quite infectious as well. And I love being able to provide training opportunities and advice to people that come to me and say, you know, what are you looking at doing? Or I'm concerned about this or I need help managing this. Or, yep. you know, what training programs do you recommend? Mm. What should I be doing next? So, yeah. I've met some therapists who I think needed that inspiration because, you know, they say to me, oh, I don't think I'm going to be here in three years because I can't mm. do this for forever. Yeah. But like you said, there's a progression. You can go into management and, and yeah. not do the treatments if that's what there's you so choose to do. so many things to do in this industry. It's it's amazing. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to work for a company that's at the, you know, forefront of developing new products and new treatment modalities. And, and that's something that inspires me every day. But I'm also constantly renewed by the people that work with me because yeah. I have people that are just starting an industry that are new and scared and excited. And you can really help mold them. And I've got people that I draw on for inspiration that have been working in industry for ages. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's a team response. You, and every client you see is an opportunity to learn. Every client you see is an opportunity to influence their, you know, ability to be confident in their life. And what a great job to have that you're able to influence that through what you know and what you're learning. I think that, um, you know, again, and this is, a, 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 I guess, a circumstance or trend that tends to affect all industries, but I think mm -hmm. we live in this world now where we can get anything we want when we want it with the click of a button. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes that that teaches us or permeates through our culture that if we don't have, if we're not doing the job that we think we should be doing right now, that you give up and go somewhere else. Yeah, you um, build, build the stairs, see it mm -hmm. as a process. So 
look at who you want to be whenever that time is. You don't necessarily need to give yourself a time. You don't need to say, you know, in one year I'm going to be doing this, in three years I want to be doing this. Think about your happiest, healthiest self, your most motivated self. And if that's in this industry, then start now. Start where you are and start planning where you're going to be moving forward. And sometimes it's as simple as putting your hand up and speaking to someone that you're inspired by or working in a company that does treatments that you're interested in. Go be a client. Go fish around companies that you know you think you might want to go work for mm. and see how that, that clinic environment feels. That's really good advice. How did you go from therapist to managing or owning clinics? I mean, that's a, a yeah. completely different step and probably scary at the time. Did you have any formal business training or did David help you on that path or what happened? Um, I was really lucky to be surrounded by a lot of people that had a lot of experience, David being one of them. Mm. Um, with the company that I, I work for, Lays Clinics Australia, we have access to a lot of people that can, can help you through all sorts of different things. Mm. I think it's also drawing on what motivates you. So I started as a therapist. I've done everything from cleaning wax pots and mopping floors to answering phones and providing the service yeah. and now owning and, and running clinics as well. But it wasn't necessarily a an active decision to go, okay, I'm going to own clinics now. Mm. It was for me, I wanted to make as much positive influence as possible. And considering I love the industry and I love my job, it made sense to, to pursue owning it. Yeah. Um, I think that you don't necessarily need formal business qualifications. They're definitely, um, definitely a great thing if you do have them. Mm. But when you're working in a particular industry such as this, you're surrounded by people who have, you know, found a similar uh, situation or been able to source a solution for a similar thing that you're experiencing. So being humble enough to put your hand up and say, do you know what? I actually don't know is a really powerful thing because I think a lot of people lead by ego and being humble enough to say, I need your help or I'm really great at this, but I'm terrible at this. Can you help me? Is really important. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. (sighs) Well, that's great advice. Again, I think, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think that, you know, and that's part of the, I guess, the journey and the, and the relationship that you and I've been on together is that, you know, you excel at things that I just absolutely suck at um, <laughs> and being honest enough with yourself. <laughs> and, you know, I think if people say, you know, work on your weaknesses and that's great, you can. Mm. But I think if you can surround yourself with people who have a skill set that perhaps you don't have or you complement yeah, each, each other. Yeah, complement each other, yeah. Um, and finding people who have those skills that you don't have. Yeah, it allows you to put all your energy into things that you're good at, which is, I think, um, a good dynamic with us because, again, you know, there are things that I'm really good at that you're not great at, things that you're amazing at that I have no idea about. Mm. Um, And it's working in that team environment as well to, you know, really draw on the energy that you have and push it into things that you're great at. Be aware of what you need to work on, but surround yourself with people that can help you to make that easier. Yeah, I mean, one of my mentors sort of told me, you know, plan a year ahead mm-hmm. and actually be honest with yourself and work on your three weaker things. Yeah. You know, how are you going to make your weakest thing your best thing in a year's yeah. time? Yeah. And if you don't challenge yourself, then you're never going to progress. You'll, exactly you're just right. yeah. swimming water and, and, you know, like you said, you might be bored of your industry in three years if you never progress. Yeah, exactly so. right. And, you know, full forward. It's, it's okay. It's just, it's lean forward when you're going to make a mistake and go, okay, at least I went a little bit further than what I was before. Every opportunity to do something new is an opportunity to learn and into, to uh, influence people positively. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with saying I don't know yet. It's the yet that's really important. 100%. Well, that's a great way to end. So how do people find you if, if they want to either talk about 
you know, their career or have a treatment? Like wh- where should they find you? Uh, if you're in Canberra, come see me in clinic. I'll be at Laser Clinics Australia Canberra Centre as well as in Woden. Uh, if you want to talk about skin health, skin treatments, whether you'd like to come in and, and have a treatment yourself, we're more than happy and excited uh, to see you. Brilliant. If you're in industry or you're just a skin enthusiast, sorry, enthusiast, and uh, just want some more information, feel free to follow me on Instagram, uh, full.circle.skin, or you can always email me if you need, uh, you know, any point of contact in industry for these sort of questions. I'm, I'm more than happy and excited to take them from you. Are you on LinkedIn? Uh, not yet, actually. Okay. But in the process of changing a few things over, just to really, um, I suppose, hone in on exactly what I'm doing now and where I am in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, two best points of contact would be Instagram or email. So mm-hmm. info at fullcircleskin.com. Um, and again, if there's anything that, you know, questions that you have or things that you've heard in the podcast today that you would like more information about, feel free to contact me. But Thank you for the two of you for uh, having me on. Thank you. And Thank you. We really appreciate it. Sorry yeah. we couldn't get into the meat of so many of those topics. <laughs> oh, well, we'll get we'll you back. Come we'll back. have to come back. And, um, <laughs> it's only four hours here and four hours back. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll take, we'll take the, non, the, non, the non-peak hour traffic uh, <laughs> yes. journey yeah, next time. Idea. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Have a safe trip home. Thank you. Thanks, guys.